and welcome to Evangel Bros, your weekly podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Sheever. And, you know, I realized I said weekly, and I've been trying to not say that lately because <laughs> we just don't know, as proven last week. Weekly is not within our skill set. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, maybe for a short time it was. But now, I mean, we could get like a side betting thing going on about like whether where the what's the over under on whether or not the episode comes out on time. Is this just so you can bet on it? Yes, you know me and my gambling problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! So uh, first of all, uh, we just want to say a quick shout out to um, all of you who listen. You know, we love your support. We really appreciate it. And uh, speaking. For myself, you know, we're very thankful for not just uh, those of you that support us on Patreon, but also that engage with us on social media and, and emails. Um, it's it, it's very encouraging, even when we have a week that passes that uh, we're not able to put out an episode that you're still wanting to engage with us. Absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, our topic for today comes out of a post um, from yesterday on Facebook where we were asking you know, some thoughts about topics and questions and uh, it's about baptism. Yes, it is. And this is, I would say probably the most off the cuff episode we've done together in a while. Uh, So I'm excited to see how it goes. Me too. All right. So Don, what um, is your first experience with baptism? Uh, well, I got baptized when I was, I think I was, oh man, I think it was in second grade, I want to say. So what would that have been? Like seven? I was around seven years old when I got baptized. I remember the baptismal was in the basement of this church, or at least they told me it was a baptismal. Maybe it was. Maybe I just got a swirly and thought I was saved. So but, uh, was this one of the churches your dad was pastoring at, at the time? No, my dad actually wasn't even a pastor at that point yet. My dad didn't become a pastor till I was 12. So, um, so yeah, this was prior to that. And it was in uh, Enola First Church of God uh, in Enola, Pennsylvania. It's just outside of Harrisburg. It's where I grew up. Okay. What about you? Have you been saved yet, George? Have you uh, been baptized? <clears throat> I have been, yeah. I was, uh, let's see. I joined a church right before, I don't know, like maybe three months before I went into the Navy, four months. Um, and <clears throat> baptized was like the thing that I wanted to do before I left. And so uh, a bunch of people who I went to high school with who were really active in that church. Um, it was it was actually kind of a great experience. I uh, they, they were fully supportive of it. They uh, came around. We had this whole like little thing for me at a, at a campground in Ottawa Lake, Michigan. Um, and it was a pretty pleasant experience. You know, nice. I, I was, uh, um, at the time I was, let's see, I was 18 and baptism at that point was something I was not too familiar with. Maybe only because I knew Jesus had been baptized and it was one of those things that was talked about in my house growing up as like, this is something the family needs to do. Um, but I like had no idea what it was actually about. 
<laughs> I don't think you're alone. Yeah. Um, so you said that you were in second grade when you, when you were first baptized, like were you baptized more than once? Like, no, I okay. just a single, a single dab will do you. <laughs> was it full? Was it full immersion or partial? As far as I know, my eyes were closed. Okay. Well, um, so what? I, I doubt you'd remember, but like, what was your concept of a baptism? Was it like a Sunday school conversation that um, you were told that you should probably do or? No, it was an intellectual pursuit for me. Uh, so like it was things in your life. Yeah. Like too many things in my life. Um, it, it was more so that our churches, uh, our church had a standard of understanding about God that you had to have. And once you could articulate that you could be baptized. And I was like challenge accepted. And so, um, to, for me, you know, as best I can remember, I mean, some of this might not be faulty memory too, but uh, as best as I can remember, a lot of it was primarily just like, I wanted to demonstrate that I understood God. And the reward for that was being baptized and baptism was such a big deal that it felt like kind of like getting a prize or an award. And so for me, baptism represented that. Baptism represented this, I was able to articulate uh, God and my relationship with God, and the reward for being able to do so was being a part of this club that had all been dunked in a lousy pool in the church basement. So what does baptism mean to you now? I think that's, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge a huge jump, right? Like, I mean, I think maybe we need to work our way to that because like where I was at that point to where I am now. And I think, you know, I think I was unique in viewing it as an intellectual exercise, right? Um, I think for most people, it's a spiritual exercise. Uh, it wasn't for me at that age. Um, and so I, I think we need to kind of work our way maybe. Yeah. So then, um, when, uh, when you were a young pastor, you know, fresh, just starting off in, in ministry, um, do you remember what you thought about baptism? I, I think again, you know, to, you know, I keep finding all these phrases I want to use that all have to do with water, but to boil it down, uh, which is not the best way to baptize someone, um, but but to boil it down, I, I think what kind of sticks to my mind is if someone had to ask me or if someone asked me to define baptism as I understood it throughout a lot of my uh, evangelical life, I would, I would just define it as a public proclamation of belief in Jesus, right? Like it's the public, it's the public statement to those around you that you're a believer, um, so I would imagine that early on in ministry that that was just the party line I towed. I just continued with that type of statement. I can tell you that the first baptism I did was, um, I, I, I we might've even talked about this on the podcast before, but yeah, this isn't the first time we've talked about baptism, but I think when I talked about it was that, uh, I was, I had 
I had understood, and I still do understand it this way, that baptism was done in living water, and so the water had to be moving. And so I reached down with my toe and unplugged the the baptismal pool in order to let water flow out while I had the water dripping in from the spout. And it just made this loud sucking sound <laughs> that the microphone picked up and went all throughout the sanctuary. I don't think I knew that. And, so, and I'm like <laughs> scrambling with my foot trying to find this plug, this little rubber plug uh, on the bottom of the baptismal so I can try and shove it back in with my foot so it stopped making this. So basically, my first baptismal I performed sucked really loudly. <laughs> oh, my god! Literally. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Okay. That's unique. Well, um, you know, if nothing else, I have that. That is very true. Um, yeah. The Okay. So then... So the, the living water, um, yeah. Now is that from the Mishnah? Uh, so remember there's, there's six types of water that's best for, um, and I can't remember if it's baptism itself or if it's, uh, just the, uh, the ritual cleansing. You're teaching me right now. I'm not familiar with this. Okay. I mean, well, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there then. Cause I don't want to be a, lead you astray in that teaching, but there's something Thank either you for your concern. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> no, there's, there's something I'd see there in the mission or the Talmud that talks about um, the six types of water that are best for uh, Nick thought. Um, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that uh, one of them is, uh, talks about Russian water. That's yeah. So a mikvah is a Jewish baptismal pool. And primarily it was a self baptism where you walked in, you had steps on both sides. You would walk in, immerse yourself and then walk out. And that was often used for, if not exclusively, though I'm not positive it was exclusively used for uh, ritual uh, processed for going into the temple and such. And so there were these mikvahs that you could cleanse yourself in uh, on a regular basis. This was not meant to be a bath. It was, it was a baptismal and people would use them daily. So, and the mikvah had running water, which is where I got the idea that I should have running water for the baptism. And if you think about, you know, people being baptized in the Jordan and in rivers, they were always baptized in rivers, never in cisterns. And, you know, all of our church baptismals are cisterns and yeah. cisterns was dead water, moving water is living water. And to me, that, that imagery was really powerful. And so I was like, I don't want to baptize anyone in dead water. Um, and so, yeah. so the moving of water was what made it living water, which is kind of the interesting thing when Jesus uh, is getting water from the well and he calls it living water, um, it implies that, you know, whether the water was from a cistern or from moving water. So anyhow, side note. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Um, Okay, so then are, okay, so as a pastor now, do you still perform baptisms? Like, is it like, I get, I'm trying to think of an, a, a nice transition to, you know, unplugging the cistern with your toe. 
uh, to right. kind of kind of where you're at. But I don't think like there's an easy transition for me. Um, when I was introduced to the concept of baptism, when I was being baptized and then as a as a young pastor, it was the, the same thing: the outward expression of covenant with God. Right, outward expression of an inward faith or something. I don't remember exactly the yeah. language it's used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I would say I wouldn't turn someone down if they wanted to be baptized, but I don't find baptism to be all that exceptional, uh, which might really be upsetting to some people listening. You know, it's interesting out of an extraordinary number of conversations I have amongst my friends, colleagues, and peers, this might be the one that upsets people, right? Like this is the like one. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's kind of the funny <laughs> thing to me, right? Yeah, no, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, that's kind this of one funny. in Sabbath, this one in Sabbath, right. Uh, tends to be the ones that ruffle the feathers. Because baptism is a, in the way that we do it now, in the way that we express it now, is not biblical baptism. It doesn't reflect biblical baptism. It's a completely created uh, institution. And that's fine. It's a ritual that the church does. It affirms. There were no altar calls in ancient Israel either. So altar calls are also a, a construct of the modern church. And so baptism is the same thing. Um and baptism in ancient times, in Jesus's day, there it wasn't a single baptism and you were done. It was a daily mikvah. It was baptisms of repentance. It was, uh, you know, the closest thing that we see in the Bible to what people do today is called a proselyte baptism, which was someone converting from whatever their Gentile expression of faith was, if any. Mm-hmm into being a descendant of Abraham. And that's where we get the being reborn is that you died as an ancestor to your ancestor. You mm-hmm. were put under the water and you were reborn as a descendant of Abraham. And so that's what a proselyte baptism was. And so therefore you were a part of the inheritance of the people of God. So the idea of being born again is actually a Jewish idea, not a Christian idea, though Christianity absconded with it. And I think Judaism has all but eliminated it from their vocabulary because of that. Um, but uh, when the text talks about being born again, it's talking about this idea of being reborn as a descendant of Abraham and therefore a member of Israel. So that's what proselytes would do is they would do that. And so a believer's baptism today, someone who doesn't profess Christianity, who then wants to uh, step into Christendom, a proselyte baptism then would be, that conversion baptism would be the closest thing we have to a biblical baptism. Yeah. Which is why when uh, Jesus is on the cross, like it wasn't necessary for them to get baptized uh, before they were accepted into the, the paradise, right? Because most likely these were Jewish thieves. Um, like, uh, yeah, 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 baptism wasn't necessary. If you think about baptism, really doesn't show up in any major form until we get to the Gentiles. Yeah, Paul the, going uh, out to the Gentile nations and such. The eunuch, um, the Ethiopian sure. eunuch. Yep. And so when we have Gentiles being introduced into belief about Jesus, then they're being baptized. 
I would argue they're not being baptized to become Christians. They're being baptized to become Jews that recognize Jesus to be Messiah. Which, uh, you know, it, it fits in with the idea of no circumcision. Sure. Um, like if you think about it, I mean, uh, if you're, if it's, if it's a proselyte baptism, then there's no, there would be no need for circumcision. If you're at, if, if you're, I think I'm putting, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say as I'm saying it. Um, I can't help you with that. No, I know. You <laughs> so unfortunately, this is my burden alone. No, I mean, but like if, if you're, if you're talking about seeing proselyte baptism as something that happens after the death and resurrection and you get into, um, you know, like the, well, I was going to say the eunuch, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, never mind. I mean, even Jesus is baptized, right? And so yeah. this isn't an affirmation of faith or a public proclamation of faith that Jesus is doing. It's also not, um, <laughs> you know, to talk about it as repentance of sins is complicated, right? So all this with with baptism is interesting. I, I actually wish that Christendom maintained a sense of the ancient Jewish baptisms, right? That we still viewed ourselves as needing to uh, go through these ritual steps to cleanse ourself. Uh, I think that those are really powerful experiences, right? Like, as far as I'm concerned, if someone came up to me and asked me to baptize them, I would say yes. And if they came up the next week and asked me to baptize them, I would say yes again, right? Like I, like this notion of a once and done baptism is would have been foreign to Jesus um, and is strange to me. Um, I think for me, the biggest concern about baptism isn't that what we do today is just a tradition of the church. Like the, I'm okay with that. That's fine. No big deal. Um, I think we cause harm by telling people that they can't be saved unless they're baptized or that they're not truly baptized unless they speak in tongues oh, yeah. or that, um, you know, someone very dear to me experienced uh, a church where she was taught that you were only baptized once and you had to have complete immersion in order for it to work, to take its effect. And 10, 15 years later, talking to me, she's still scared that some part of her body was above the water and she wasn't completely immersed, but she can't ever get another shot at it because it's a once and done thing. And that type of trauma should not exist in something that's meant to be a self-cleansing and a self-proclamation of descendants of God. Right. Like this is meant to be something where you're proclaiming that you want to be a descendant of Abraham. You're proclaiming that you want to be seen and valued and treasured as a descendant of God. Like it should not cause trauma. Yeah. So you just touched on something that I, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about. Um, you know, 
the you, you brought up Pentecostalism, and I know a listener of ours uh, rebuked us on that, which we'll, we'll get into. To, I want to get into that in a second. Um, the you know John the Baptist. I, I've come to baptize you with water, but someone coming to is greater than I will baptize you with fire. And right. I I think about you know Acts, the outpouring of the Spirit, um, and like how that's been used in, in my life mm-hmm. against me because I've never spoken in tongues mm-hmm. and there are people who I am related to that will say that, well, that's evidence that you're not actually a part of God's chosen or you're not say wh- whatever right. fill in the blank yeah. you want to, you want to talk sure. about. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on, on like the, the baptism by fire thing? I've never thought about it, but for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, whenever I've heard about baptism, I only think about it in the context of water ritualization, um, you know, cleansing. I've never, never thought about it, how it's been uh, brought in with Acts. Well, I mean, just let's think of the elements, right? So if you're baptized in water, what are, what is it doing? Cleaning. Like, I mean, what is it literally? Yeah, it's cleaning, right? So when you get cleaned, what's happening? all the impurities are washing off. Well, I mean, that might be a stretch to say all the impurities, right? Sure. The, um, the majority of, of, of things that are making you dirty are no longer on your body. But if you're passed through fire, what, what happens? Uh, and I'm not talking about human flesh here. Like what would they use fire on? Like what was fire representative of? Uh, the spirit. Guiding. No, 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 no. Literally. Like what did they use fire for? Oh, to keep warm. Okay. What else? Uh, burnt offerings. What else? Uh, lighting the way. Purifying things. Purifying things. Right. So like (laughs) fire was used to like, you know, uh, you know, it talks about the dross, right. That comes to the top and is cleaned off. Right. That fire, things are passed through fire to purify them. Mm -hmm. Right. So someone who does something with water, what do you think it it is going to do a better? That's why I kind of like push back a little bit when you're like, it's meant to pure, it washes away impurities. It might wash away impurities on the surface. Okay. Right. Like, like it might get the dirt off your skin. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, if you're thinking about, like, metal, right, um, it might clean the surface of the metal off. But if you pass metal through a hot enough fire, it gets the impurities out of the inside of the metal, too. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so John the Baptist is saying, I come baptizing with water. Like, what I'm doing well, is only this much, right? Like, it's just a small amount of cleansing that I'm doing but there's going to be someone who comes and removes all of the dross, all of the impurities. That person is coming and I am not even fit to wear their shoes. Right. And so it's this, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how else to say it. If you're smelting metal yeah, or gold, let's use gold as an example, because I love watching like bearing sea gold or, you know, any of those discovery type channels yeah. shows um, like, when they want to get all of the non-gold bits out of it, they can wash it. They throw, run it, the gold uh, flakes through wash 
pits, right, mm-hmm. through these wash bins and stuff, and it gets all the gold out. But if they really want to get maximize it, they smelt it, and then they pour it in a mold, and they knock off all the dross that comes up to the surface of it, and then that gold is pure, and they get a better price for it because they don't, the people buying it from doesn't have to worry about any weight that exists that is not actual gold. So this is the difference. You, you know, John the Baptist is saying, I never thought I would use uh, my, my obsession with gold mining TV shows as an example for baptism. You know what? Thank the you, Lord George. works in mysterious ways, my friend. Oh, does oh! God. I'll tell you. So, that little it, rascal. But seriously, though, this picture is pretty apt, right? That you run the gold through the water and you get you get 97% pure gold. But if you actually put it by fire, you're going to get 100%. Um, and so this is what I would argue is being said, that though I baptize you by water, there is someone else, and I'm baptizing you as a, ter- as a form of repentance and helping you uh, get rid of these impurities there's one that will come that is going to do an even greater job than I. That is such a great example that you used. I've Oh, thank you. I've been no. working on that for like three minutes. Yeah, no, no. Like I've never heard it put in such a simple way. Like well, I, because we prefer fire to be more, more terrible. Than, oh no, it's definitely more theatrical, but it's, it, it's just like, you know, I, I, so when you were talking about fire, naturally because of how our uh, discipleship conversations would go, my mind is going to, okay, when's the first time I see fire in the text? Okay. It's, it's when the pot passes through on the blood and then it's, it's, it's an exodus. Oh my God, where am I going with this? No, but like, um, you know, I'm just, and then I think about how uh, this, the Southern Baptist chaplain on the ship that I, I, I got to know pretty well when I was in the Navy, um, how he would always talk about, you know, our sin is when we would die, we would pass through a purifying fire and all of the the impurities would be burnt off. And, you know, some of us who continued to sin after we got to heaven would be a little more uh, crispy. Oh yeah. I think he said that have a little bit, a little bit of a yeah. smoke smell on their clothes. Yeah. And then, so it's just like, I, I've never heard it put in, in such a, a tangible way of the difference of John the Baptist's ministry versus Jesus's. Yeah. And I just think about like, how, how powerful is that? How, how much different could people's lives be if you, if that is how they're introduced to this idea? Yeah. Or, or even just embrace it by the fact of like, as pastors, like I, I can baptize by water. And I'm using, I'm speaking metaphorically. Like I can help people walk through the pain that they're dealing with, the the suffering, the decisions that they're making, and I can help guide them. But, but what I do isn't even worthy of it's it's baptism of water. But what you experience through, in my opinion, what you experience through faithfulness in in Messiah, faithfulness in Jesus, um, is like a baptism of fire, you, you truly get healing. You truly, um, you're transformed. Right. So yeah. 
it would also be humbling for pastors to have this perspective, right? That what we do is can get the surface. I, I can offer you, you know, a washcloth and some soap, but you know, your soul scrubbing is going to come from faithfulness in God. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, would that be a good description on, on where you, what you think of baptism now? Well, you know, um, our friend that, uh, critiqued our critique of Pentecostalism. Yeah. Uh, you know, by the way, so our listeners know, and, uh, Ken, if you're listening, um, you know, I think he uh, knew we were talking about him already. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, probably. So, you know, I was having a conversation with Ken and he made the comment. He's like, I love the podcast, but man, you guys are harsh on Pentecostalism. And I was like, Ooh, you know, now that you say that out loud, we are. And I just blame George. As you do. That's what I do when I'm yeah. uncomfortable. I just blame George. For That's, I do the same purpose. thing for you when you're not around. I appreciate that. That's fine. I accept that. <laughs> and I accept your so, rebuke. So I was today, I was, I actually was meeting with Ken before we recorded this and, you know, he described baptism in some really beautiful ways that I wished I owned personally, right? Like that they were mine. Um, but I could feel them in the way he talked about it. And he was talking about how it's the recognition of the person that they're no longer um, living by certain patterns, but now they want to join into this other community and that they want to be reborn into this other community. I, I'm botching the way he said it. I didn't take notes, unfortunately. But, you know, I love that sense of baptism as self-proclamation. Um, and I think part of it's because I don't think that there's any magic that happens with baptism. Do I think that people can be moved and experience something profound in their own baptism? Absolutely, of course. But do I believe that baptism in and of itself is a uh, is going to always have an impact? Uh, no, I think it's it's really about someone coming to a place in which they think that the b- most beautiful way to express allegiance and allyship to what the church is doing is through this, this baptismal process. I love that. I love that idea that, uh, in fact, Ken used that language about like to be baptized in his church was to, to say that they were an ally. Um, I like that. Uh, I mean, I can get behind that, right? Like to say that I'm an ally where I'd say I'm I'm much more open to reasons why people get baptized. And I don't think we have to give them the reasons to get baptized. Where I am concerned is the reasons we give people to be baptized, right? Or the expectation of baptism. That's where I think we get into some goofy, dangerous spaces. Yeah. It's, it's akin to when we tell people why they should, uh, join our branch of Christianity. Like it's, it's in, in my experience, it's treated as a a cure-all like, you know, it's you, you went, you know, you accepted Christ uh, at our church. You went through our 
five-week mentorship discipleship course. Uh, next is baptism, and then you're going to become a member, and then everything will continue to to be pushed and, and to be good. And, you know, I, I was on staff at one of those churches. Uh, and by the time that I was ending there, I did a, most of the baptisms, which was kind of like, it was kind of crazy. And it was my favorite part of, of my job at that point, aside from right. teaching Bible study, because it was great to walk with people in this moment of saying, I don't know what's next after this, but I know where I'm at now. And mm. this God that I have a relationship is enough. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, the, the disservice, it, that's the best word I can think of at the moment. It's not, it's not right, but the disservice that um, the, the staff members do at some churches to continue to push next. So we, so we can get them in because ultimately people are commodities and batteries in some churches. And, you know, yeah. I recognize that a lot of that comes from a good place. Like nobody wants their church to fold up if they believe God is present and is doing good things there. Mm-hmm. But it's sad to see something like that become uh, a commodity. Well, it makes us commodities. But yeah, thank you. You know, I I think it's I, I think for me it's it's man, this I feel like I'm on the spot with this one because I just feel like baptism is inconsequential. Yeah. That's I I, I just I just I feel like it's I feel like as an institution, it doesn't matter. I feel like on the individual level, it may matter greatly, right? I, like, I, so I think there are people that might come up to me and want to be baptized and I will run them down to the river and dunk them right there and then because it's beautiful and it's good and it's coming from the right place. As far as this weird conveyor belt of children that we have set up that take them from Sunday school to confirmation, to baptism, to communion, to whatever. I find that to be much more complicated to wrap my heart around. (laughs) I was thinking of the word disgusting, but you know, I don't want to say that because well, there's a lot of good traditions that no, no. do that exact process, and I sure. respect it deeply. I, I should I should clarify where I the reason why I was thinking of the word disgusting was I remember working in a Christian bookstore and making a lot of money off of baptism cards mm. and the kitschy shit that goes with that. Like you yourself made a lot of money off. What were you doing? Were you was this like? Uh, I mean, I don't want to brag, but I had like a side printing job where I sold. Nice. It was actually baptism. It was just like misspelled enough to ring it in on my own dime. Now, but no, they just were, like the, <laughs> go ahead. Never mind. It was going to okay. be a bad joke. It's okay. fine. Keep no, going. But, but no, but just like the, the institutions that we've set up around it to, to make money off of, of something that should not be done. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this is where some people love you. Uh, because you're you're willing to be way more that uh, one person. <laughs> well, you're you're willing to be way more on this than I am 
because I want to be very, very, very careful. Well, sure. It's but- inconsequential to me as a pastor of a church that our church does this. But as far as other churches that value this, this is a part of their story, a part of their tradition, a part of what they're about. As long as it's not harming people, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, I think what's confusing is, and I think why people are asked us to even talk about baptism is because it's confusing because you go from one church where it is like, have you been baptized? If you haven't been baptized, you can't do X, Y, and Z. Have you been baptized? Can you speak in tongues? X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, has your child been baptized? Right? Like all of this stuff and this pressure around baptism. And then there's other churches, they go and baptisms never mentioned. And so baptismal baptisms are just confounding. And I think the, if I had to say the only mistakes we make in the church about around baptisms is we, we demand them as a demonstration of faith. We just don't see that in scripture, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and we, uh, we attach special powers or abilities to baptism to know whether or not it's true, uh, which puts pressure on people to lie, fake it, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also create guilt in people who either don't want to be baptized or their baptism was inconsequential to them or their children haven't been baptized. Yeah. Right. Like as a pastor, the number of times that people have kids the same age as Malcolm, my son, and they tell me about their kids being baptized and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, my son's never been baptized. Really? Why not? And it's like, well, first of all, I, I find it interesting that Christianity is the only Abrahamic religion where your child is not already considered a full member of the faith just by being born from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you'd have to honor the tradition that came before you, you know, in order to make any headway with that. But it, it is strange, right? Like that we, yeah. like in some way, our kids growing up singing church songs, singing Father Jesus Abraham loves had me. many sons. Right. Singing all those, those songs. And then they get to a certain age and we're like, oh, by the way, you're not really in yet. Um, because you have to publicly profess and be baptized and then you're in, I know that you thought you were in this whole time. I thought, I know you thought Jesus loved you and God loved you up until now, but you're really close to something. Like if we delay this too long and you die, who knows where you're going to go? Yeah. Right. Like that to me, so strange and confounding especially when, you know, the text in the epistles talks about that the faith of the mother covers the whole household, right? Like, Oh, don't, don't tell too many people that it might cause an uproar. They might tell them to go home. Yeah. Um, but like, so again, to re, uh, restate it. Yeah. Baptism on an individual basis as an expression of what you want to demonstrate to those around you to declare about your allyship to your church, to your faith community, or even your allyship to God. That is beautiful, profound, and I support it a hundred percent. 
baptism out of an obligation to belong to a church. Uh, baptism as an obligation to demonstrate worthiness to God. Baptism out of some kind of guilt and shame about whether or not you can be a child of God. Those are all terrible and harmful ways to think about it. And we should be very, very concerned if that is the way that we're portraying it in our church. Um, and so I, I really do hope that the people that are listening that are either pastors or leaders in their churches that do baptism and celebrate baptism, I want to affirm that. Yeah. I just, the only thing I would push back on is if, make sure that the language you're using is healthy. Um, make sure that the way that people are going about it is for the right and good and beautiful reason. Because listen, I don't know about you, but when I reflect at seven, I might have been able to tell people a satisfying answer to my belief in God. But at 45, I have no effing clue what I believe about God 90% of the time. I'm still fumbling. I yeah. can't articulate the cross. I can't articulate the resurrection. I can't articulate the day-to-day -day walk of pursuing Messiah. And I'm a pastor, and I can't explain those things with any kind of great clarity. And so, like, and we expect seven to 13 year olds to do it in such a way that in somehow that, that assures I, them. I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know if it matters about assuring them. I think it, what matters is that they're towing the party line because like what, what you reflected at the age of seven was your church's belief in who God was. Oh yeah, I time. want to be a part of the group. Yeah, no, th but that's my point. It's like, you know, it, it doesn't, I guess my hope for pastors or lay leaders or whoever's listening to this that are involved in baptisms, you know, I want to affirm what you're doing, but at the same time, I want to also be able to more importantly, affirm the people who are deciding to do it. Yeah. As in like, it doesn't matter if they exactly tow what your church Agreed. teaches like that's great to a point. What's you know what's funny is this. So on Wednesday mornings, I get together with a couple of people from the church that I attend in Columbus, and we you know we just talk about random shit. And this morning, baptism was brought up. Mm. Uh, even after we decided that was you know what we we're going to talk about, and um, we're talking about how you know yeah we don't really know what it means, uh, you know just kind of sharing our personal stories with this stuff. And I was thinking to myself how I could not have confidently baptized somebody in the church that I was in because they didn't tell the line that our church held. Mm. If I could talk to my old self, I would mm. say the important thing is that they affirm that there is some higher being that they want to enter this covenant in. And it just happens to be in the form of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if I could talk to my older, younger self, is that how that works? Sure. Um, it would just, it would, it would come down to, I want to be there for them to help them in the most beautiful possible way that they can express their uh, affirmation of pursuit of yeah. the divine. I, yes. Like 
yes, I will, I will dunk you. We will jump off of a springboard if it helps, like whatever it need, whatever you need to understand and recognize that you are a part of the beloved and that you are a child of God. I don't care if it's spritzing you with water, dunking you, whatever, like we need to give people that affirmation. Yeah. Because I guess the thing that, that I thought of while you were talking was we, we treat certain aspects of the faith journey checklist as endpoints. Now that you've reached this point, you can finally graduate to the next spot. Mm-hmm. And that is just so backwards. I mean, the yeah. idea of a journey is that it's constantly moving forward. Sometimes you need to, to go back to make sure that, you know, what, whoops. Um, some, you know, sometimes you go back because you just don't want to continue forward anymore. But the important thing is that you affirm everybody along the way. Yep. And so it's like, you don't, don't treat baptism as, as a, as a rung in a ladder. Right. And we have to remember that we're only baptizing in water. Yes. I think that's a great place to stop. Awesome. All right. Well, um, again, listeners, we love you. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're at Avenger bros. Shoot us a question at, evangelbros at gmail.com uh if you have time please stop and rate and review wherever you listen to this uh five stars because of stupid algorithms for our techno overlords makes it that uh we show up in more people's feeds if you rate us at five stars we don't might or i know i'm not worth it but our community is worth five stars so please wow yeah i know that was a little thick yeah, whatever. It's been a long day. <laughs> I'm your co-host, George. I'm your other co-host, Don. Have a great week, everyone. See ya.